Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports podcast. My name is Claire Coles, and this is your weekly update. It's Monday, October 23rd. Let's start with what you missed over the last week. Then we'll move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. Okay, so first of all, want to apologize for my voice as I was at a football game this weekend cheering on the Oklahoma Sooners and we'll get into why my voice is gone in the college football section. So, but we are going to go ahead and as always start with MLB baseball as we left off with the Rangers being up 2-0 to zero in the series last week. But say goodbye to home field advantage as obviously we started in Houston. The Rangers won both of those games. Then we moved on to Dallas. Houston had 12 hits on Dallas's star pitcher Scherzer and company on Wednesday. They won 8-3. to three. Then Thursday, it was even worse with the Astros scoring three runs in the first inning and nailing it home in the fourth and later. Astros won that game 10-3 to and tie up the series. Friday's game was back and forth and a lot closer than that since. Astros scored one in the first. Rangers tied it up in the fifth. Houston scored a single run again, and this time Texas would do one better with a three-run homer in the sixth. It finally looked like a team who was actually going to play at home would actually win until the ninth when the Astros returned the favor. All-star Altuve hit a three-run homer to take the lead and take the series three to two coming home to Houston with the lead. But the home field curse continued. It was back and forth again in Houston, but with the Ranger lead going into the ninth. But Garcia put the nail in the coffin on the Astros. He hit a grand slam to tie up the series again and send it to a crazy winner-take-all Game 7, which is currently going on right now, and I'm trying not to react as I actually have it on in the background Y'all, it is ugly. Literally, I'm sitting here top of the eighth. The Rangers are up 11 to three. So it looks like we will literally go through this entire series with no home team winning any game that they played in their stadium. And most likely looks like we are going to have the Rangers advance to the World Series. In the NLCS, we left off with Philly winning game one, and they continued that momentum into game two, shutting out the Diamondbacks 10-0. to Yikes. Schwarber was responsible for two of those scores with two consecutive home runs at his at-bats. Thursday's game three was much closer. The teams both scored a single run in the seventh inning apiece and were tied into the ninth inning. However, that's when D-backs got caught a break two walks led to the bases loaded and only one out a walk-off single won the game being home did good things for Arizona and they also won game four to tie the series back up to two games apiece game four was close as well Philly led five to two at the bottom of the seventh but Arizona scored and left a lot of players stranded however the eighth inning they rallied bringing in three runs two off of a home run to complete the comeback six to five so we were tied going into the final game in Arizona but game five was all Phillies who scored an early two runs including a home plate steal by Bryce Harper and had an error on the Diamondbacks as well they did manage a single run in the seventh but 
that was it. So they give Philly the lead in the series back after falling six to one. So we go back to Philly for tonight's game. And actually that game is over as I got this episode ready. So I went ahead and did a quick update there. The Diamondbacks had two home runs in the second inning along with another run tacked on. The Phillies managed to also score one run in the second, but really that was it for the Philadelphia team. Arizona would score another two, winning the game five to two and forcing a game seven winner take all loser goes home tomorrow night. Moving along a little bit of basketball news and because the regular season starts this week, it will start Tuesday on the 24th and will run through April 14th next year. So that will be obviously in games to watch this upcoming week. There will be a lot of televised NBA games. Also in the WNBA game, the Aces win back-to-back WNBA championships. That is the first time we've seen that in 21 years. So I know I don't usually cover WNBA, but wanted to mention since it was the championship and something that hadn't happened in quite some time. Moving along to college football this week gave us six upsets in, or losses in the top 25 and game day was in Columbus, Ohio for number seven Penn State versus number three Ohio State. That was a battle of defenses as there were only three touchdowns in the entire game and only one in the first half. Although Penn State had a scoop and score called back, so that kind of hurts. Ohio State got the better of this one winning 20 to 12. Not too surprising as both teams have only allowed an average of 10 points per game wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. was the savior of the Buckeyes being as productive as the entire rest of the wide receiver core by himself one and five UVA traveled to number 10 UNC and was only trailing 17-14 at half then UNC made up some of the gap scoring 10 points and I thought okay here we go UNC is going to take off But UVA struck back, and we were tied 24-24 going into the fourth quarter. UVA took the lead with nine minutes to go. Each team had a turnover, including a UVA fumble out of the back of the end zone. Heartbreaking, which means you went all the way down there, and no other points got scored. And then you have to give the ball back because it is a touchback, so the other team gets it. No other points were scored, though, and UVA gets the huge upset 31-27, handing the Tar Heels their first loss of the season. That is also the first road win against a top 10 team for UVA ever in school history. This game was hard to build momentum in as well as both teams only had three drives total between the two of them over 10 plays. So if you just saw it, it went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth with not a lot going on. Number four, Florida State had their hands full with number 16, Duke, who had their starting quarterback, Riley Leonard, back, or at least they did until he got injured in the third quarter. He also tried to come back in after that, but head coach Mike Elko wasn't having it. The Knolls were trailing 20-17 to 17 going into the fourth quarter, but the Seminoles would then score 21 points in the final 13 minutes to stay undefeated. 38-20 looked a lot better than it was, although the Florida State defense did play really well in that final stretch, only allowing 13 plays by the Blue Devils. Number 17, Tennessee was in full control, beating number 11, Alabama, 20-7 at half, but Then the tide rolled. Alabama then scored 27 unanswered points to put themselves back in the driver's seat for this one, including a scoop and score. So their playoff hopes remain alive as they win this one 
34-20. Number 14, Utah, seems to just have number 18, USC's number, and especially Caleb Williams. The Utes beat the Trojans twice last year, and just like last year, USC was favored in this game as well. Utah had only allowed 73 points all year uh, all year long, but had had trouble scoring. However, USC's defense is terrible, so this was going to be a really interesting matchup. We were tied 14-14 at the end of the first quarter. Literally no points scored in the second quarter. Then Utah got to 28-14 lead at one point during the third quarter, but fourth quarter was all USC with the Trojans scoring the go-ahead touchdown off a killer punt return plus a play by Caleb Williams. With just a minute 46 left to go in the game, Trojans led by one after a failed two-point conversion. Again, minute 46 to go in the game. Utah then started their drive at their own 25 and just needed to get in field goal range with costly penalties and a huge fourth down and one. The Utes managed to get to the USC 21 to set up a 38-yard field goal, which the kicker nailed. Utah wins 34-32 and Caleb Williams remains winless against Utah. We all know by now that number 24 Iowa does not score a lot of points and the Hawkeyes were trailing by two with a minute 33 left to go in the game when they ran a punt back from the opposite 45 yard line and it was beautiful until it got taken off the board as the refs ruled that the returner signaled a fair catch, thus causing the ball to be dead wherever he fields it. Minnesota claimed their first road win against Iowa since 1999 and did so without scoring a single touchdown. They literally won with four field goals. Other major storylines from the week. Number two, Michigan destroyed their in-state rival, Michigan State, winning 49-0. Number 19, LSU shut out Army 62-0, scoring 24 points in the second quarter alone. Number 25, UCLA handled Stanford with ease, beating the Cardinal 42-7. Speaking of routes, SMU beat Temple on Friday night, and it was the largest road shutout by the team since 1980. Number nine, Oregon played a close game with Washington State, who looked much more like their old selves than last week. The Ducks won 38-24, but Wazoo's quarterback Cam Ward threw for 438 yards. Those were kind of the blowouts, and then a close game, obviously, by Oregon, but again, a rightfully close game. We had a lot of close games that shouldn't have been after teams had big wins previously. Starting with number five, Washington came off their win against Oregon last week and just came out flat. They only beat Arizona State 15-7, to and the Huskies were favored by 26 points. Doesn't help that they had four turnovers, including a season-high two interceptions for quarterback Michael Penix. They only took the lead on a pick six in the fourth quarter. Huskies escape. Number six, Oklahoma was tied 17-17 at half, but then UCF took the lead. The Sooners needed all 14 points they scored in the fourth quarter to beat the Knights, and it came down to a failed two-point conversion. Sooners win by two. Then number eight, Texas let Houston back into the game after going up 21 to zip. The Cougs came back to tie it up 21-21 and again 24-24 in the fourth quarter. Longhorn scored with about 5.37 left to play. Houston then drove down the field steadily with a successful fourth and two pass. Yes, I said pass. Usually you run it on fourth and two. 
But when the Cougs got into the red zone, that was where their luck ran out. Dana Holgerson ran the ball on third and one for no gain and got a very bad spot, in my opinion. You can check out the video and see it for yourself. Then they had a fourth and one pass, again, super unusual, that the Horns batted down to stay alive. So Texas also escapes 31-24. Auburn is winless in the SEC, but man, they were close this week. Play in number 13, Ole Miss, to within a touchdown. Ole Miss won 28-21. Arkansas had kept good teams close after the last few weeks, but not this week. They let Mississippi State beat them in a thrilling, and yes, I say that dripping with extreme sarcasm, because the total or the actual score of this game was 7-3. to So be on the lookout that we might see a coach's firing there at the University of Arkansas. And then Miami and Clemson, I knew would be a good game despite both teams not being ranked. The game was back and forth, but listen to how it started for Clemson. Their drives ended with punt, fumble, punt, fumble, touchdown, interception. Yikes, that is not the typical Dabo team we are used to seeing. Miami came back to score 10 points in the fourth quarter to tie the game at 17-17. We then went to overtime. We saw two field goals in the first overtime, so we go to second overtime. Miami went first, scored a touchdown, and Clemson just couldn't answer. So they are now 2-3 and three in the ACC. This was also Mario Cristobal, the head coach of uh, Miami's first ACC win at home. In the top 25 this week, James Madison breaks into the top 25 for the first time this year. They come in at number 25. They made their debut ever in a top 25 last year. So now let's see if they can last a little bit longer, which was not hard as they literally only got ranked for one week as they lost the week they got ranked last year. So hopefully they'll be able to win this weekend and we can keep them in there. Penn State only fell about three spots to number 10 after playing Ohio State. UNC fell to 17 after their embarrassing loss to UVA. Duke and Tennessee fell about four apiece. USC cannot believe this, that they are still ranked, mainly because every other team on the verge of being ranked last week also lost. They are now number 24. Only big movers upwards were LSU and Mizzou up four and Louisville and Air Force up three. So otherwise pretty tame in the top 25. We only have a handful of undefeated teams left. Those teams are Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, Washington, Oklahoma, Air Force, James Madison, and the only one not ranked, Liberty. Oh, man, I told you Michigan State had a serious issue this weekend, and they had to order an official apology after Hitler's image was used as a trivia question on the scoreboard before their game on Saturday against Michigan. So not only did they get shut out by their in-state rival, 60, or 49 to 0, but they also showed Hitler on their scoreboard. According to the Spartan Athletic Department, no one watched the video in its entirety, and they literally used something from YouTube. Um, so they did not see the trivia question where I believe it was asked whether where Hitler was born and they use a third party company for the scoreboard needs. So and they are no longer working with said company, according to ESPN. Not a good look for Michigan State, who has obviously already had head coaching issues. Now, obviously, lots of losing issues and continued with the Hitler on your scoreboard issue. Moving along to the NFL, and we had, this week, we had seven games that were close. Thursday night football, not one of those. The Bears had to go with their backup quarterback, who I bet you hadn't heard of because I certainly hadn't. Tyson Bagent played for Shepard 
a D2 school in Pennsylvania and is a rookie this year, but had a 72% completion rate and threw for a touchdown this weekend. He helped his Chicago team upset the Raiders 30-12. to The Browns were also forced to use their backup quarterback as Watson went out just 12 minutes into the game versus the Colts. But that didn't stop the Cleveland team either as Indy had about four turnovers and was penalty ridden all over the end of this game. The Browns scored with just 15 seconds left and one by one. The Patriots shocked the Bills beating the New York team by four to give Belichick his 300th win. So congratulations there. The Giants scored all 14 points they needed in the second quarter, but beat the Commanders by seven. The Falcons won over the Bucs in another walk-off field goal, this time was 51 yards, to move into the lead of the NFC South. There was also some drama in the Steelers' win over the Rams after a controversial fourth down call. I have linked that on the blog, so you be the judge. In the Battle of the Bottom Feeder teams, the Broncos finally get a win, beating the Packers by two. The Lions looked like they were starting to be a real threat with four consecutive wins. That streak came to a screeching halt as the Ravens routed the Detroit team. Lamar Jackson threw for 357 yards and three touchdowns and running for one as well. Ravens win 38-6. The second quarter was full of action in the Chargers-Chiefs game with a combined 35 points being scored between the two, but the Chiefs were dominant with Mahomes scoring five touchdowns, four through the air to all different players. So four different players caught his four touchdown passes. He also scored one on the ground. Tight end Travis Kelsey had also had 29 consecutive successful targets and catches, but that streak ended in the fourth quarter of this game. Quite a impressive streak there. 29 is huge without a drop. Taylor was of Taylor Swift was of course in attendance. And they actually, it was actually Taylor Swift and Mahomes' wife, Brittany, did this very complicated handshake dance. So obviously they have become fast friends. The Dolphins-Eagles game was two of the hottest teams in the NFL finally matching up. The Philly team got the last laugh, though, as they won 31-17. That is a really impressive defensive feat to keep Miami to below 20 points. No other team has managed that at all this season. And finally, the last bit of news, the Panthers didn't lose this week, but that's only because they had a bye. So we'll see you this next week as we have all teams back in action. Moving along to golf, Colin Morikawa won the Zozo Championship in Japan this weekend. This ends his 27-month winless streak, and man, did he do it in dominant fashion. His last win before this one was the 2021 Open, the British Open, for those of you who aren't huge golf fans. Morikawa won his sixth PGA Tour title by six strokes in the country that his great-grandparents immigrated from, a.k.a. Japan. So it was a special win, familial-wise and winless streak-breaking-wise for Colin Morikawa. And then the team finale of the Live Tour was decided this weekend at Trump Doral. DeChambeau as the Crushers finished atop the podium, bringing home the big check of $14 million. They were only leading by two shots, which when all four men's scores count is not a big lead over the range goats when Taylor Gooch, who won the individual title last week, put his 18th tee shot in the water. Lahiri played brogy free on the final day for the lowest round amongst the four players on the Crushers, bringing home the win. 
I actually have in-depth motorsport news this week, starting with Formula One. Max Verstappen won the U.S. Grand Prix in Austin at Coda this weekend, despite starting sixth on the grid. This means that he has won 15 races this season. That ties his best ever with last year, and there are still four races to go. Mercedes Lewis Hamilton got second in the race, but then was later DQ'd for a breach of regulations. Those regulations were the wear he took on his resin plank in the underside of his Mercedes. Both Hamilton and Verstappen were mentioning the bumps that were found on the Coda track and wishing it could be repaved before next year's GP. For those of you who are like, why, who cares? That is um, usually I find Max Verstappen a little whiny, and yet he complained, but Hamilton flat out said, I agree with Max and think that this track needs to be repaved before they come back next year. So TBD if that will be something that the CODA organizers will do, but certainly sounds like Formula One racers are all for it. On the flip side of a very normal winner in Formula One, MotoGP was in Australia and this week at Phillip Island and the weather was as crazy as the race was. The league actually moved the main Grand Prix to Saturday and canceled the sprint race due to the weather. Apparently that was all that was needed for Frenchman and Primac Ducati rider Johan Zarco. He has been in MotoGP for almost seven years now and has never won a single race until Saturday. He passed his teammate, uh, Martin, who lost the lead in the final lap due to losing grip on his tires just enough to slip off the podium. And he is now falling further behind in the world championship. But congratulations to Johan Zarco, his first win ever. So the exact opposite of what happened at Formula One. We have a first time winner on the MotoGP track. Moving along, a quick Olympic news update. The Pan American Games opened on Friday, and Jordan Childs, the gymnast, was the flag bearer. She then went on to win gold in the team all around and took home gold in the individual. Sticking with gymnastics news, Kara Aker is retiring from gymnastics after she allegedly suffered from verbal and emotional abuse at the University of Utah. She was named a alternate for the last Olympics, so she went to Utah and competed for the last two years. She did not name the coach in question, but head coach John F- Tom Farden has been the main head coach since 2020 and co-head coach from 2016 to 2019. There was actually an investigation previously done at Utah over the same coaching staff, literally showing that there was nothing found, except I think there was one time that he threw a cell phone or something in the presence of the student athletes. But other than that, nothing was really found. So either way, concerning that Kara Aker has decided to retire at the age of 20. So I'm sure this will not be the last we hear of this. Moving to more of gymnastics on ice, moving to figure skating, Ilya Malinin successfully defended his Skate America crown with ease after a near-perfect free skate, although he didn't feel that way. He won by more than 31 points at a career-high 310.47 points. France got silver and Japan took home the bronze in the men's event. Germany pairs took home the gold there, kind of unusual, and U.S. ice dancers Madison Schock and Evan Bates easily won their fourth Skate America. That bodes well for them as they took their first world championships after winning last year's skate title. That wraps up what happened over the last week. Now let's move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. 
And we got to start with the ALCS and NLCS. So tonight, obviously, NLCS game six has already happened. I already went through that. The ALCS is literally on right now, so that's not super helpful for you guys. So either way, we will have an ALCS champion crowned tonight. So we will know who half of the World Series will be tomorrow. We obviously know it's going to be a team from Texas. And then Tuesday, the NLCS game seven, and we do need it. So it's not, it's no longer like if necessary, we need it. The Diamondbacks will play at the Phillies. That will be at 707 on TBS tomorrow. Like I said, you knew the NBA is coming. And Tuesday, we start with the Lakers at the Nuggets at 6.30 on TNT, followed by the Suns at the Warriors at 9. Wednesday, catch the Celtics at the Knicks at 6 on ESPN, followed by the Mavericks at the Spurs at 8.30 on ESPN. Thursday, the 76ers play the Bucks at 6.30, and then the Suns take on the Lakers at 9. Then Friday, catch the Heat at the Celtics at 6.30 on ESPN, followed by the Warriors at the Kings at 9 on ESPN. No um, televised games on the weekend because obviously there's lots and lots of football going on. So plenty of games going on around the NBA, but that is all that are televised at the moment. In college football this week, the top five games of the week, starting with number six, Oklahoma at Kansas. That is on Saturday at 11 a.m. That will be on Fox. Oklahoma is favored only by nine and a half. Number eight, Oregon will travel to number 13, Utah, after their impressive win over USC. They will play at 2.30 on Fox, and Oregon is favored by a touchdown. That is game day game of the week, so college game day will be on campus in Salt Lake City. Number 20, Duke, will take on number 18, Louisville, on Saturday, also at 2.30 on ESPN. Louisville is favored by four. Number 21, Tennessee, will play at Kentucky, and yes, they are unranked, at 6 p.m. on ESPN. Tennessee is favored by four. Number 11, Oregon State, takes on Arizona, also unranked, on Saturday night, late at 9.30 on ESPN. Oregon State favored by three and a half. Moving along to NFL tonight, Monday Night Football, we have the 49ers at the Vikings at 7.15 on ABC and ESPN. Thursday Night Football, with a team of Bs, the Bucks at the Bills at 7.15 on Prime. Then on Sunday, we have all teams back in action, so nine games at noon on CBS or Fox. The CBS games, Falcons at the Titans, the Patriots at the Dolphins, the Jets at the Giants, and the Jags at the Steelers. The Fox games, the Rams at the Cowboys, ought to be a good game. The Vikings at the Packers, the Saints at the Colts, and the Eagles at the Commanders, or the Texans at the Panthers. Let's see if the Panthers can get their first win against a not-so-great, although improving, Texans team. At 3.05 on Fox, catch the Browns at the Seahawks. There's also three games happening at 3.25 on CBS, depending on your geographical location. The Chiefs take on the Broncos, the Ravens at the Cardinals, and the Bengals at the 49ers. Sunday Night Football will be the Bears at the Chargers at 7.20 on NBC. Monday night, next Monday night football on the day before Halloween, the Raiders take on the Lions at 7.15 on ESPN and ABC. We actually have a break for PGA Tour, so absolutely no United States golf. Let's go with that um, going on this week. 
But the NHL is in action, and we got more games on TV this week. Tuesday, the Maple Leafs at the Capitals at 5 on ESPN, followed by the Bruins at the Blackhawks at 7.30, and the Flyers at the Golden Knights at 10, all on ESPN. Wednesday, catch the Capitals at the Devils at 6.30 on TNT. Ending the week, the Flames at the Oilers at 6 on TBS. And then we have a little bit of Olympic sports going on, really just volleyball for the NCAA women's Baylor at Texas at seven on Thursday. That will be on Fox Sports one. And then we have the Rugby World Cup final starting Saturday at two on CNBC. And then that World Cup final can be watched on Sunday at 11 on NBC as well. That wraps it up for me this week. Like I always say, check out the blog, The Girlfriend's Guide to Sports for more stories as well as games and times. As I close out this podcast, the Rangers have officially made it to the World Series. That will begin on Friday, along with all four major sports back on TV. You know I got you covered, but I'll catch you all next week.